My non gallic speaking pals here, uh, <laughs> Mr. Michael McCormick. How's it going? And Mr. Andy MacArthur. Who's you are? Slash. Yes, come on. Ah, there we go. Um, <laughs> I'm the only Philistine here. <laughs> well, I, I, I've, I've, I've taken a fucking week of Joe Lingo and try to fucking intro the podcast. And if, if I start the behaviour of a Philistine, I don't know what it is. Slash of that. Right, boys, how's it going? What you been up to? Oh, I'm still shaking for the eye of needle. I'll, I'll get allergy. Over Christmas. Apologies for the late episode because everyone at different points over the past couple of weeks has been ill. I'm literally just doing a mixed board, man. I uh, tried. <laughs> I think I kind of overloaded it, so I've been trying to kind of flush the bastard for the last 10 minutes. Nice. And I'll, I'll look forward to that later, listen. <laughs> <laughs> I've left a week in a souvenir. Anyone get any games you've been playing over Christmas and New Year? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fancy Star 4, we've been pamming that, haven't we? Uh, no, don't be getting that peek behind the curtain. Oh. I, don't, I don't know where I'm getting that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard it. <laughs> um, completed fucking... Well, Say completed, I just went through a cutscene set Yakuza for the PS2, I end up fucking doing my fighting and that. How did you find it in the end? Is it bit, was it better than you thought at the start? Did you get the hang of it? It's not shame, man. Did you actually go beat, go back and beat your game for the last episode? Uh, I, I've said that, that I would do that a couple of times, but I never actually have. Because it's <laughs> PS2s there, so aye. I just thought I would kind of attack it and see. But I, we're fucking ill, man. Uh, I don't know about you two, but I've been, I've been putting this off because I, I literally couldn't leave my house. So it's mostly just been playing games. What? Oh, aye, the Mini has now been hacked. The Mega Drive Mini's now been hacked by the lovely boys at Mod My Classic. Ah, uh, lovely. The same guys that done Hatchy for the SNES Classic. Shout out to a, Mod My Classic. They've now done a, a similar hack for the Mega Drive Mini called Project Lunar. You got fucking, you've been loading uh, up with uh, classics, you got Rocket Knight and that on oh, there. Uh, I've got the lot. Uh, I'm sitting playing Toe Jam Nero 2 with a Mega Drive pad. <laughs> so you know it's the fucking, the backer. You know, you've got to be kind of classic sitting there, it's all more guns. Got a pad, man. It's a real deal. Ah, uh, I'll tell you something, I fucking hate Panic on Funkatron. Aye, <laughs> don't like it. Ah, it's a bit of a I don't know if it's a Marmite game, but I, I played fucking half an hour of it and I went, What's, what have they done to my beautiful boys? Got his plaudits, man. There's, there's uh, something on, I don't know anybody can write any old shit on Wikipedia, right? But <laughs> it goes out this way to make the point that there's a sizable minority, not just a minority, a sizable minority. There are people that prefer that. There is. vicious edit war on Wikipedia and made that known. Yeah. It's, mer- it's merely a game, I guess, than. Merely a traditional game. Uh, we didn't see many roguelikes, which is what Tojamaero is and what I'm going to be talking about in a wee bit. Be interested to see what the actual thought process was behind not making a second adventure game. Because uh, I, I listened to an interview with the guy that created um, Tojamaero because he was getting asked about the new one, and he said there was a, I think there was a bit of executive meddling going on with oh. the second one where like the publishers wanted something a bit more conventional and they decided to go along with it, but. After it was finished, they're like, oh, oh, not too happy with it. At the time, it was all platformers, wasn't it? Uh, it was aye, that was a big thing. Aye. Whereas they wanted to go, the original developers had this script where Toe Jam and Arrow would walk into the LA riots and, and it was all asking <laughs> about white privilege. It sounded amazing. <laughs> See, but in the end, they didn't make it. Toe Jam and Arrow suffered from the same thing that a lot of 
video game characters suffered for nights when the big one pops out and I think I mentioned this in the class. You don't like them having voices. See, as soon as you opened up cup and started talking, it takes something away. No, I think it's like... I don't like it either. Have you ever had like a novel, right? And then you go and see a film and you think, oh, fuck, that's not how I picture that. That's what it's like, man. It's kind of disappointing. I don't know if this is some problematic projection on my part, right? In my head, Errol sounds like Biggie Smalls. <laughs> Told you I'm sounds like Snoop Dogg. <laughs> that that works for me. <laughs> I don't know about... Uh, listen, I'm right with you in the Biggie Smalls and Errol correlation. Told you I'm... That's wow. what I think it sounds like. For real? Wow. Well, <laughs> it's, a higher, it's a higher octave. Wait <laughs> much like uh, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> but I think he's more of an ally than Snoop Dogg. Wake up, wake the fuck up. I think he's for like, he's, he's kinda, he's, he's kinda, he's more white, kinda red to what Jerry Peters funk rather than the old funk guy. Right, he sounds like Anikidis. Aye, rather than the old kinda, you know, master funk, you know, master <laughs> funk for the, the projects or whatever. Now. I've been playing Disco Elysium, which I think is a game that somebody's kind of reached into my brain and kind of pulled out. I, I'm choking to play it, but I'm fucking rooked. And even when it was on special air, it was still like 30 bucks. And I know the makers are fucking Estonian Marxists, and I, lo- I love Tallinn, I've been there. Um, so send me a free copy, lads, there, on the off chance you're listening. Right, I, got, I got a voucher, Steam voucher, so I used that on it. I, it's, 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 it's called Disco Elysium, and it's like a. It's an indie sort of western. RPG. So um, it's, it's a Baldur's Gate style game, but we name it the confusing com- combat. Oh, um, right. Just all fucking story based, pretty much dialogue trees and picking up items and solving mysteries. I support reckon kind of like the best one of these if you like your kind of words. You like a game that's kind of something like a, like a novel would be Planescape Torment, but like Planescape Torment is kind of trying to be a, I guess, like a really good fantasy novel, whereas this is trying to be something like modernist literature. It's trying to be like a fucking. Bulgakov novel or something like that. But a few lines are acting out what it's actually. Um, I can give you the, well, the summary of the plot. I guess how it works is that you're you're a police officer in a kind of fictional city. I don't want um, to know too much, just in case. Okay, you it's just the basic premise. There's been a murder, and well, there's been a, um, there's been a well, it, was, it was a lynching. There's a there's a, a big strike going on in the docks, and some mercenaries are sent to put down the strike, and one of the mercenaries got lynched. And you, before the events of the game, were sent out to investigate this. Something happened that gave you a complete mental breakdown. You went mad, fucking trash a hotel room, crash a car, and you wake up with the memory of being a police officer. You, you spend the first 20 minutes of the game putting your clothes on. Like you're, um, just, you're this big fucking old shambling alky type guy, you need to walk about and find your trousers. <laughs> Do you wake up shoes on a couch or something you don't know and have to get through it? It's basically the experience that we've all gone through. The dialogue boxes in the side, like first your limbic system starts talking to you and then your brainstem starts talking to you and it's like all these voices in your head telling you to wake up, you're a hungover mess and get sorted. And you need to find a phone charger, try and get a drink of water. Find your tie, your tie. Eyes on the fan, the ceiling fan. You've got to kind of get that off. Um, so you're kind of going through, trying to piece together what your life was like, and, and choose by yourself what sort of policy you were. Were you like a really one that thought he was a superstar, or were you one that's like just really apologetic about how shite a policy is? Or I've like, got to be fucking training day, man. On the take, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Combo. And you can be like. Um, 
a kind of just dread, yeah. a kind of prophet of doom, a kind of weird sort of paranormal. You can have get this paranormal elements and stuff you can say, but sort of polish up, but we'll try to kind of solve this case. But like the writing's really good, and it's it's really there's not a lot of combat. The combat's more kind of dialogue based, but yeah, it's it's really good for like computer RPG because. You do a lot of the stuff that you might do when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you know, the like actual role playing, like actually acting out a character. It shows you the dice rolls on the screen as well, but it shows you what you've actually got to roll, and then it'll do like a, a random number generator, and you see what you've rolled and whether you passed or failed. Aye. You don't see a dice in Baldur's Gate, do you? you didn't see that. Well, well, if you're me and you're. You know, I don't want to say um, autistic in any way because that's disparaging to people <laughs> who are neurotypical. But you know, skewed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like clicking on the settings and making sure that I can actually see the dice rolls <laughs> when I play ball. Oh, so it's an option. Um, aye. Aye, the, the way that this kind of works is that you know you've got your your skills in Dungeons and Dragons like um, athletics or like arcana and stuff like that. Those things. So in this game. Those things kind of crop up throughout the game and, and speak to you with a wee voice. And you read, so for example, that like one of the intelligence ones is uh, encyclopedia, and that's like your knowledge of facts and stuff like that. But it's not always helpful. Like your, the encyclopedia thing will just be a, a nerd. It will just butt in your conversation. Aye. So like you, so um, it's better to be normative in it than empirical. I yeah, exactly. So sometimes like. <laughs> And there's like logic as well, sometimes logic doesn't work on folk that are on irrational. So the encyclopedia one, I was having a conversation with my partner and I was asking about this statue, what's the statue all about? And he was like, well, it's to commemorate this this riot that happened where 5,000 people died. And then my encyclopedia box popped up and said, actually it was 4,823 people. <laughs> and then I got a dialogue option to say to my partner, and actually it was um, it was 4,823. <laughs> and he's like, fuck off. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's not relevant. Well, you know how you're talking about like games like that, where it's all like kind of it's it's all to do with like dice rolls and like potentials, uh-huh. outcomes and stuff. And I, and like, oh, like I said, I didn't like Baldur's Gate and games like that. I was thinking, many years that's been playing fucking Champ Manager. <laughs> that's, that's basically like well, Championship Manager is an it's an RPG for people that like, pretend not to be geeks. Can I, <laughs> can I shock you? <laughs> Fantasy Star Four has dice rolls. Oh really? <laughs> Behind the scenes, it's rolling a dice to see whether you hit or miss, and then there's another dice being rolled to calculate Fuck. your damage based on. They all come from see Dungeons and Dragons, what we played on the last episode or two episodes ago or whatever. Aye. That's a fucking grand federate or. Aye. So you're talking about the ability of boss and stuff that gives a one hit kill. It's like a rolling a dice and saying bang. Behind the scenes, it's a random yeah. number generator. Even, even your basic attack, it's a random number generator. If it rolls above a certain number, you hit. If it doesn't, you miss. Blah, 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 damage calculations. And I'll I don't know if by the way, I moved in a chair. That's alright. <laughs> and I'll go a step further and saying that, according to some theories of quantum physics, all of reality is based off of these rules. Mm. So there you Reaction. go. Do you ever read that Iceman novel? No. It's alright. <laughs> so I, I, a fucking statistician who fucking has a mental breakdown and then starts deciding that he's going to assign like six things to do in any given situation <laughs> and just let the dice like decide what he's going to do like the rest of his life. But sometimes he might put like kill a stranger in there. Uh, if, it, if it rolls a three, he'll just go and do it. <laughs> I mean, you remember Bernard's watch? Aye. Well, he get turns a shots at it because he would stop objective reality, and that would give him a chance to kind of try out certain scenarios that would have went me. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this, but there was a guy 
who was like a time police who would come in and chide Bernard if he tried to use a watch to like oh, basically basically date anything cool because <laughs> we've all had that fucking notion where you're like and I know we wouldn't be saying nowadays but you're a teenager you're like ah he must have been looking up all the lassies skirts but the, the unspoken dark thought is because I would have been there's always this kind of morality question and these kind of mystical things and that's like even in the, like the astral plane apparently there's like these peacekeepers that if you're doing too much like looking up lassies skirts and that they'll appear and go don't do that so you're also be banned for the astral plane and all that you know Suggests that an absolute morality rather than a, uh, um, a relative one. Or uh, even in Sabrina Teenage Witch, we had the Witches Council. Remember? There was a Witches Council, council and um, she had Quizmaster, who, right. he, was, he was only in one series, I think, but he... <laughs> <laughs> she would turn her into a... What was that? Forever? A cat or something? Forever? Size. Something like that. Was it, it was a good show. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking brilliant. Was that not because she told Harvey that she was a witch? In the... Oh, you can't do that. Something like that. But in the end, if you, if you ever actually did, I never stuck way to the end. She went to college and they wrote the righty aunties out to it and that. Wasn't oh, interested. But um, at, at the end, she's supposed to marry a solid guy and Harvey shows up out of the blue and then they run away together. They drive off on a motorbike into the sunset. That's the way it should have been, man. But he knows that she's a witch by then. I don't know how. Harvey does a good guy. Aye, Harvey was one of them boys. Man, I, I liked him. Big up fucking Harvey Kinkle. Harvey Kinkle, aye. Anyways, where are we going now? I've, um, <laughs> I've not been playing a great deal myself off the top of my head. Or my, my Dynamite and Eddie games, mostly. I fucking gave up on the old Baldur's Gate 2, funnily right. enough. No, it's good. Uh, it? I played the first one and I played through Siege of Dragonspear, which is like a. Sydney made it in 2016, it's like a 1.5. Played through all that, and then I started up the second one, and I'd lost all my cool magic items, and it, it didn't let me have the same voice for my character. Ah. I could import my character, but just when I was a wee hangs, I felt like it wasn't my guy, and I don't know what. I'll, I'll maybe go back to it at some stage, but. Just felt different. You developed like develop that much attachment to your, to your character like you don't realise. And I think I'd maybe just too much. I fucking probably sank like 50 odd hours into it. There's maybe only so much Baldur's Gate you can fucking take. So, there's a lot of, kind of, so I'm guessing like, this is a new kind of zeitgeist in the, the podcast for the next week or for the last maybe month is these types of games. Um, before it was kind of like action games, now we've moved on to like start based games and stuff. Well, I wonder where we'll go next. We've got, uh, we've, uh, we've, uh, I would say we've covered a wide spectrum. We've been getting sports. We certainly do. We've been getting sports about a wide berth. I wouldn't mind playing a couple of sports ah, games. Yeah. I've just been realising like, how much of the games that I played growing up were RPGs. I'm kind of sharing mm-hmm. them with folk now that I realise you're comfortable playing them. But there's got to be games out there that, that we've missed because like, we just we just never really found any interest in them. It'd be interesting to I mean, there's, con- there's consoles we didn't have in terms of genres. FMV games? No. <laughs> just wait till we've been doing this fucking thing for 10 years. We'll be scraping the bottom of the barrel. Well, we've done FMV games, sure. We've done Night Trap, man. That's pretty funny. And we've done the most famous and, in my view, the best. <laughs> FMV games. Silent Steel, he needs to do. Oh, silent, yeah, we've Silent Steel for the PC, man. I guess Strategy, we've not, got a whole, we've not had a whole lot of Strategy. I've played a few of those. Shining, Shining Force 2, I think, might be the only one. I've yeah. got a couple of good Strategy games, man. Ground Control's a good game. Age of Empires 2, but I guess you should play that. If every continent in our land's played Age of Empires 2, man. <laughs> that Robert the Bruce campaign. Aye. That way to whip up your nationalistic <laughs> fervour, eh? You could do that, didn't you? It was like, a, a, there was a multiplayer option, but it was only like, you had to know the IP and that, remember? 
Back in the four, you had like Steam and everything. That was yeah. you'd be more likely to play that over like, a, a LAN. You'd be like, physically plugging two computers at each other. Could, I played a lot of Galactic Battlegrounds, which was just Age of Empires two, but with a Star Wars skin on it. Uh, it wasn't even particularly cool Star Wars. It was prequel shit. <laughs> was they fucking droids? Oh. The Phantom Menace in it. Aye. Gungans was a faction in it. I've got a special place in my heart for the Gungans. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> why? I don't know why. <laughs> The aesthetic of their, their world. In terms of <laughs> racial <laughs> in terms of racial stereotypes, um, I was a bigger fan of Trade Federation. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot talk into it. Uh, yeah, Trade Federation. Ruth and Ben rewatched the Star Wars prequels the last couple of weeks, and I messages to both of them going, "This is so fucking racist. <laughs> I, I can't believe it." <laughs> Pretty much when they Trade Federation guys before they say anything, they go, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the new Star Wars yet? No. <laughs> the, the Rise of Skywalker. I've not seen it myself. I've heard it's a big, big, big shit. A big pile of shit. I'd much rather go and see 1917 than Sam Mendes from him. That looks pretty good. It's just fucking World War One shit again. I digress. Who cares? It's a fucking sequel where they went and fucking bombed the west coast of Ireland. Like, <laughs> I quite like Sam Mendes, but his, his films are pretty good, man, for what's about him anyway. But anyway, Sonic the Hedgehog next month. Hey, oh, three cheers for Agent Stone. So Everybody's favourite Sonic character. I realise that if this goes on record, then we're going to have to do it, but we're going to do a Sonic the Hedgehog movie episode. Yeah, well, it's, it's going to have to be done, <laughs> I suppose. Will make a governor? <laughs> <laughs> If it's on the governor, we will, why? Next to uh, an old dear uh, Woody Allen film, or <laughs> Kurosawa films or something. That's all right, the I'm guessing it'll be Cineworld. If only you'd be, man. Surrounded by Wayne's, man. Screaming, screaming, screaming Wayne. Probably end up with fucking pedophile hunters that you fucking bring me to <laughs> Yeah. Um, much like when we went to go and see a clockwork orange together, I wouldn't mind smoking a wee banger beforehand. Oh. I think I could probably only enhance the experience. I've been in a greenhouse zone. We went to see Sonic in the GC, GC, GFT, GFT, Glasgow Film Theatre. Isn't that for a night? They might have it, but it would probably be like fucking three o'clock in the day. Like. It would be an undercrowd day, but it would be like a crowd that are pure, like worse than us, and actually relative folks. Sonic can ask. Are you not wearing your faucets? <laughs> I just got mine back for a dry cleaner. But just, I've got a hanger. You don't ask too many questions in a dry cleaner. I bought a for the Christmas market, a balaclava. <laughs> it looks normal like Sonic, does show you? But it's Sonic, right? And it's been knitted by somebody, but it looks normal like Sonic. It's got a big fucking nose in it, a big fucking cheeser. But I wear it. Get a post on Facebook. What, you wear it? <laughs> well, you wear it like, going to your shops and all? No, I've worn it like fucking. About who's? Oh, right, okay. <laughs> you stick up a bag. The wind goes like that. Sonic, Sonic, you love Sonic. Right, so if I walk in my fucking Sonic back, I'll be like, hey! Oh, shit, you know. By the way, if there are any armed robberies uh, up the in Greenock in the next couple of months <laughs> by somebody with my Sonic balaclava, <laughs> you might want to get in some plausible deniability now. <laughs> I witnessed some sport a hedgehog, a fox, <laughs> and then a kidna. Stuck myself in, man. Do you know what, for the last episode, was it Dungeons and Dragons? I was going to get, I was going to get, I've got a Henry Arson wig, right? Uh, remember the old one I made headlocks? Ah, I was going to buy some red paint, right? Shh, spray it, and I could be fucking nuts. Oh, I didn't realise your Dungeons and Dragons character also had red threads. Ah, not, not that I'm saying it's not allowed, but. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 
So, I think we're going to go two-fitted right into... There's me a bump that we would usually have at the start of these things, but aye. Happy New Year and all that, by the way, boys. Happy New Year, Happy New Year, listener. Mick, why did you um, pick... Well, I mean, other than kind of behind-the-scenes reasons, which we can go into if you want, but uh, why Dragon Crystal for myself? So this was one that I had for the Game Gear in... I don't know if many he's had a Game Gear because it wasn't a very portable, portable handheld console, but I had one that I used to mostly play just with the, the power pack plugged in to the that. socket, sitting on my parents' floor and probably giving myself like um, long-term spine issues. My, my auntie had one and you played it plugged into the wall. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, it was the other way. Eight AA batteries that maybe lasted you about an hour. Wait, and I think you asked a few episodes ago like why the Game Boy fans didn't come with a backlight, that's why. Well, that's, <laughs> I know, but it was, it was in car, you know, but the, the Game Boy never had any car, which is why it lasted a lot longer. Aye. But aye, aye, definitely a big, big problem with Game Gear was just like, it's bad at life, man. Yeah, but um, in a shop we had called Whatever One Wants, they had, in Green Oak there used to be a wee area where you would get Game Gear games and they were pretty cheap because I think they had a big, kind of big backlog of them and no one was really buying them. So I would pretty much just pick up games uh, that I like to look off in the cover. And obviously being a wee kind of kid that was into fantasy and that, I thought Dragons, Crystals, man, it's right up my street. Dragon Crystal, and I, I remember quite enjoying it, but I remember um, not entirely knowing what I'd do, and I'd never really played anything like it. I'd kind of find, I'd find out um, much later that it's what you'd call a roguelike, but um, I, I thought it was quite intriguing at the time, and I'd, I'd li- I thought I'd like to go back to it and see if Mick could go back to it and see if it was how it compared to what I remembered. I, I I really liked it actually. Managed to complete it, so I'll take my products now. Thank you very much. Um, I done it in albeit quite a snidey way, which I might get into later. For um, eight states, no safe state in whatsoever. Basically, yeah, I say whatsoever. I did save state, but it was at the point where I stopped playing. I never cheesed. If I died, that was me. Right. Fucked it. Had to use a continue up, so I only used it to go back to the point where I had left off. I don't share morality, man. <laughs> I, don't, I just fucking save scum for ATB, but anyway. If it had been impossible without save scum, and I might, it's not that hard. Um, <laughs> and that's actually one of the very few games that I've, from my childhood that I've revisited that's actually easier than I remember it being. Most things I think that require any sort of reflexes or reaction speed, I'm pretty shite at these days, but now um, Dragon Crystal, I, I found a lot more easy to get a grip with. So, so is, it, is, it a, is it an action game? Or so, so basically... Do you, I mean, do you want to explain what a roguelike is? <laughs> well, Dragon Crystal will fling you in. Like games like Pokemon Mystery Dungeon or Azure Dreams, it's typically a dungeon you need to make your way through, right? Where you find an exit and you go to the next floor. Gauntlet might be a way ah, to think about it. But don't think too much about Gauntlet. Dungeon Crawler, Diablo. Aye, but when you're dead, typically in a roguelike, you're dead. Mm. You're going back to the first floor. Also, usually fucking randomly generated like Dragon Crystal where you can just replay it and replay it and replay it they build Auto Jam and Arrow, as we were saying earlier ah, so right, okay. it's a fucking sword and sorcery game you get flung into it you start off with the shittiest equipment cloth on your back and a knife and you need to find weapons kill enemies to level up and make your way through the floors also there are potions rods and spell books which do various different things However, one of the hardcore things I would say about Dragon Crystal is 
you might find a potion and it'll just be called rid potion. Right. You don't know what a rid potion does right. until you drink one. But then from that point on, you know what all the red potions do. Ah, so it might heal you, or it might fucking poison you, or something stupid like that. So well, that's a bit told you haven't heard of, because you, you pick up the... Presents. Or the rotten meat, the rotten bread and that. Yes. Aye, they all stem from this really old game called Rogue, which ah. I think came out in the 70s, and that was a kind of dungeon crawler. It had a lot of things in these games, have had the kind of random levels, the random items, and that was kind of ASCII characters, so it was just like text, it, it was text, but... You were still moving a little guy up um, around the bit of that. Seems so, yeah. idea then. Don't have an error in this one, we're both kind of um, inspired on some level by that. Also, it's got a quite very similar kind of structure in I yeah. told you, am I? Aye, It's completely turn-based, like, you, when you move, um, the enemies move when you attack, the enemies attack, so it's like, nothing happens until you press up or, or left oh, or right, whatever. Which, weirdly enough, carries over into, uh, as I just mentioned, Azure Dreams, yeah. it's a PlayStation 1 game, same thing, grid-based movement system, yeah. although it tries to trick you into thinking it's not grid-based, it looks yeah, a wee bit... Like earthbound, no? when, they, when, you, when you move, the body moves, it's like... No, but the, the enemies are earthbound can run right into you, ah, and you, you take a step, and then an enemy will take a step at the same time. Oh, right, so, so it's like turn-based. Everything takes its turn. It is. Everything takes its turn at the exact same time. Yep. So, which, as I say, you got an Azure Dreams and fucking Mystery Dungeon years yeah. and years later. So, when you're a wee bit weak, it can be a good way to think about avoiding enemies and things like that. One of the things I liked about the game feel was that Dragon Crystal had quite a good way of letting you settle in and feel comfortable. No, like, you may have just found a new suit of armour, yeah. a new sword, and you're actually going up the levels quite well. You're picking up, you're feeling fucking capable, yeah. and then all of a sudden you'll reach a new floor, there'll be a new couple of enemies, and all of a sudden you feel fucking helpless again. Mm. It keeps you on your toes, you never fucking feel too strong or too weak. Um, right, like, some bodies you can catch you out. Or the, so there's a, there's a weird mechanic in it where you have to have enough food to survive. If you run out of food, your guy starts losing health and then oh, it'll eventually yeah. die of starvation and then for instance in later floors there are sharks that when they <laughs> bite you they steal your food supply and things like that land sharks <laughs> um, the, the Mega Drive version of this came out first which is a game called Fatal Labyrinth so Dragon Crystal came out on both Master System and Game Gear and basically <laughs> just used assets from Fatal Labyrinth oh, they, they're right. essentially the same, same game, game is it? well an inferior port. Well, is that is that is that an inferior port or was it? They made some improvements on it. I some, would say sometimes eight bit games are um, better. Aye. Fatal is more focused. It's kind of they just start it doing the what's in, what's in to the gameplay. Fatal Labyrinth had Fatal Labyrinth stuck its fingers up at you. <laughs> um, Mayor the Dragon Crystal on both Master System and Game Gear because I tried both and I couldn't actually see much difference between them yeah. at all. Sometimes um, the difference is the aspect ratio. Yeah, bang uh, on, that, that, that was the only thing I could see. And Fatal Labyrinth, if you kept picking up food, then it would say your character has overindulged and then you would just die. <laughs> you would die from fucking overeating. Whereas in fucking Dragon Crystal, you pick up food, there's like a max amount you can go to, but it never punishes you for fucking thinking, food, 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 I need to get the food, I need to make sure I don't die. Aye. Dragon Crystal also did something with the gold other than a joke. Uh, in Fatal Labyrinth, when you collected gold, all it did was when you get a game over, 
your funeral would be more lavish based on how much gold you'd picked up through your life. Can you buy anything with it? Which is pretty funny. Can I take see, it with you? You see it in action, like you just got a fucking rock, or like you might have fucking aye, like loads of mourners in this big fucking ornate temple and stuff. Whereas in Dragon Crystal, the gold actually buys continues. Oh, so if shit, you buy, I didn't realise that it actually yeah, had purpose. So it was a good idea to keep on top of your gold, actually. Pretty much everything in Dragon Crystal had a purpose. Another thing I liked about it is, I don't know what, it's. Maybe it is a, a dynamic of the podcast changing, but to bring it back to games like Baldur's Gate for Aye. a second, you would go into a new map, right? And then if you clicked to zoom out, you would see your wee area of the map that you were in, and it would just be a kind of lone bit where you can see, and everything else would be in complete darkness. Fog of war. Fog of war. Now, there's a strange part of my brain that really just likes uncovering <laughs> Just going from corner to corner. Right. I've got a I can see what's happening on a whole map. I've not missed nothing. No fog of war anywhere. Um, Dragon Crystal is really good about rewarding you for that. If you are into doing that, then you're not going to go far wrong. So like in the first level, it's a forest and the walls are basically trees, and the trees that you've you've seen are green, but the ones you have now are black and white. And then as, as you walk past them, it reveals a kind of path through the forest, and that's how you kind of know where you where you've been already and what's new. And that shape that that's different depending on what what floor you're on. There's a few different variations and what fucking Maori heads. That's my favourite one. <laughs> the big Easter Island heads. Uh, you're walking around a land full of those, and there's others that are like sunflowers and there's a Ned desert backgrounds of cactuses, I believe. Yeah, I can remember that The the titular dragon. If we want to talk about that for a bit. I think it's um, important that we talk about the dragon. Because the dra- <laughs> Fatal Labyrinth the had a dragon in it. Alright. Fatal Labyrinth starts halfway. You think you're playing a different sort of RPG. You're in a wee town setting and you walk about and you talk to everybody uh, and everybody basically just goes, this dragon's a nightmare. And then somebody's <laughs> like, I know I like to hang my washing out, but fucking somebody's summoned the giant tower. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? So there's trouble. You talk to an old man and he goes, don't you go to that tower. Alright, you can go to the tower if you insist, <laughs> but you'll die. But, so anyway, you go to the tower, then you need to find a weapon, and then you use that to kill a boss on the final floor. Dragon Crystal, may as well go into a plot, and the instruction manual says, you are a boy, you are in an antique shop, <laughs> and you pick up a crystal, and the crystal... Oh, the fucking, it's never read the story. <laughs> the, the crystal sucks you into some kind of dragon world. Yep. Now, when you start off in floor one, as I say, is your cloth on your back and a knife, you've not got much. An egg just trails behind you everywhere you walk, just accompanied by an egg, which I guess signifies that you're carrying the egg, probably. <laughs> Once you go up a few levels, the egg hatches into a dragon, right? which you might think, cool, I've got a fucking Pokemon, he's going to help uh-huh. me on scraps and that. Disney really just follows you, follows you, follows you, follows you. When you gain more levels, your dragon gets bigger. By the if you get it, if you get it to the final level, it's a big cool looking silver thing. Yeah. Um, I didn't actually have the ultimate dragon, but I and again it never does anything. Is the dragon maybe a euphemism for penis size? Like the more badass you become, the bigger your dragon gets. I think this boy's going through a he's going through a, a change in life. He's, he's going through a 
I think to go 2020 about it, the dragon's just kind of your baby Yoda. Oh. Like, you just kind of like having him about. It's you, a mascot. You, uh, you, <laughs> I think it's not looking for Japanese goggles. He's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of always good back to stuff. Well, I mean, the, your main character doesn't have a dad if we wanted to try and trope it up, or a mom, or <laughs> really any discerning characteristics whatsoever. In Fatal Labyrinth, as I say, you pick up a sword, you need to kill a fucking dragon at the end, and then that'll restore peace to your tune. In Dragon Quest, Crystal, you get to floor 30 and you pick up a crystal and then you get a shitey wee cutscene of... There's a cutscene at the start where there's a boy and he kind of lazily like jumps inside a crystal and turns into a knight. At the end of the game, you pick the crystal up and then it shows you the knight jumping outside the crystal, turning back into the boy. Right. So you've made your way back to a real world. And it basically just flashes up and says, Congratulations. You don't even find out what happened to that dragon that's been thrown on you, but I'm not well, I feel a bit cheated skin back to this game because <laughs> I wasn't very good at this game. What's going on? Dragon Crystal. Right, so there you go. It's the two main features of the game. <laughs> Anyone anyway, just recall Crystal? You bought a dragon, you need to find a crystal. Pretty self explanatory. I kept I kept going back to this game when I was younger and I could never get very far but I kept going back to it because I wanted to find out what happened when the dragon fucking hatched and grew up. I think I got as far as I'm actually hatching. It's a wee dragon. It's a wee, it's a wee baby dragon. Realising that it didn't actually do anything at all and then lost interest. I thought I thought it was going to radically change the game when you got this dragon. I'm just wondering what the thought process was as to how you, what, of, why they had it. Maybe, maybe as you say, they were going to call it Crystal. 8-bit games have got a whacking in a lord, man. <laughs> you know? Maybe it's just fucking one of them things. I really liked the items. They could be fucking game-changing. Yeah. Um, I thought we had um, a good one last time I was playing it. I got quite far. It was a blood sword that would kind of like steal enemies' HP. That was pretty useful. I found one of them, but it was cursed. Ah, you can get oh, items of crystal, and that means you can't even equip them. Right? You need to find a bless book, yeah, and then that can uncurse an item. But pretty much the reason I think I ended up finishing it was that I got to floor 25 or something like that. Usually you need to hunt about a good bit to find the exit, or I don't know if I just had bad luck in the earlier floors, because I would usually have traversed the whole thing before I actually uncovered the fucking exit. But I started to find the exits really quickly, so... I wasn't picking up better equipment and I wasn't as levelled as I probably should have been. I got to about level 26 and every fucking enemy there was kicking my arse. I was like, fuck. Ended up looking into my inventory and I had one of these rods. I don't know if they're called rods or sticks or something like that. Yeah. It was called Green. My, my magic wand. Sorry. Green, green wand. And I used it and it was this thing called a travel wand. And it was like, you've travelled forward in time. And it put me on to the next stage. I was like, what? Then I looked in my backpack and I had like four of them. Oh, fuck. And I was like, ah, I could rig it in theory, walk to the last level here. And I did it, and then in the last level, I walked through about three rooms, dodged every fucking body, and the crystal was just there. <laughs> and I was, I was like, ah, it's a bit fucking cheap, but I'm taking it, do you know what I mean? And that was it, it was completion. So did, did you get a, a, a wee sequence at the end? Just, just as it said, your, your, guy, your guy jumps out. As I said, Knight well is in a crystal ball, jumps out, turns back into a boy, and then it flashes up. Congratulations. Nice. That yes. Return to the normal world. Nice sign off. What more can you ask for? I like that there's a wee, um, a kind of variety in the enemies you fight and stuff. Like, it's, it kind of throws in just everything but the kitchen sink in terms of what you're fighting. Like, 
different scenarios, you're walking around these Easter Island kids and sunflowers and all sorts of places, you're fighting like anything from like a ninja to a, a shark that goes about in land to like some sort of weird ominous crystal thing that casts a confused spell on you. It could be really counterintuitive sometimes because it would be like red ninja and then you walk up and you kill him in two hits. And it, which, by the way, you attack just by walking into them. Yeah. Doesn't don't really know much more to it than that. But you could be fighting Red Ninja, and you're like, he looks tough, and he's done him like two hits. And then you walk to the next room, and there's a big stupid looking snail, and you're like, that thing's getting fucked. And then it could turn out to be well more powerful. But there wasn't always logic involved in what was what was more powerful than what. I really hated the big crystal things because they would cast that your classic um, confuse on you that flips your, your controls ah, around. Aye. So Which again was in Dojam and Arrow. Yeah. Oh, it's personally, right. I don't think I've ever enjoyed that feature. I think we should just. I think I should stay in history books personally. I like it. I like. I like anything that fucks it up and makes things more challenging. Um, I don't, man. It's easy pathway. Making a bookend to this section, which I think I've I've maybe dwelt on when we were talking about Shining Force Two. Oh. But told almost as a blanket statement, it's Super Nintendo. Nintendo in general was where you went for your RPGs Aye. and that Sega was lacking on this fucking fact. Aye. But, as I said before, Sega's got a better strategy RPG in Aye. fucking Shining Force 2. Anything on the SNES that came out around about the same time was too confusing, Fantasy not as fun. <laughs> much later, it? And fucking Sega's got some roguelikes. As far as I'm aware, there were none on Nintendo until fucking a good bit later. Not really that I'm aware of. And I would say with this as well, there's a bit of recent controversy about the word roguelike because there's a few games that use that term quite loosely. Rogue Legacy and, and things like that. So Rogue Legacy is it's, it's not, it plays like a Castlevania game. It's It's got random random elements and it's got, um, you kind of you kick back to the dungeon. It does die, have death in a sense, but you... But not really because you kind of... You, you keep the power-ups. Yeah, you gain something and, you keep, and then you can go back and, and kind of reuse it. So folk um, get a bit annoyed about that. But I think if you want to play a proper roguelike, this is a good introduction because some of them are very sort of the classic ones are mere sort of D&D inspired and you have to roll a character and you have to pick a character class in this one but this one you can just dive right into it. It's quite, and I, I maybe would actually recommend Game Gear Master Systems Dragon Crystal over Mega Drive's Fatal Labyrinth because Fatal Labyrinth is a wee bit harder and fucking Dragon Crystal, I hate to use a term we have before, it's probably more like Baby's first roguelike. Yeah. And it'll give you a taste of a proper one and it's not it's not brutally difficult. Baby's day out. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I liked it. I beat it. And I think it's fucking... Shows you a wee side of Sega that doesn't get talked about that much. Cool. Which will bring us on to... Tempo. Yep. Andy Mack, why did you pick Tempo for McCormick? We've been a bit thin on the ground for 32x games. <laughs> Can't imagine why. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's really not very many of them. No, people, I don't know if people know about Sega Prattles, but there's this really bad one. I'll talk about the, what the 32x is. Aye. But aye, it's why this game... Are you struggling for other content? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, this game came out for 32x. Um, he's a big kind of Yamaha chip man here. As uh, Mick, right. so this game sort of, I, I, I think for what I've heard anyway on both the two X and Mega Drive, I think this kind of utilises the the chip, the best I've heard anyway, the, the most 
kind of the best kind of example of what a chip is capable. Yep. Um, in terms of kind of, you know, you were talking about them kind of grungy kind of things you hear in jungle strike, like the kind of heavy metal stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think that they kind of mastered it for this game, um, and I think that the visuals as well show just how good. Um, Platform I could look on the uh, Mega Drive. I, I thought with the name, because I've, I've literally looked at nothing about this. <laughs> but I quite like to do that sometimes, so as I could ask kind of uh, questions uh, about it. I thought based on the name Tempo that it was going to be music themed in some way, um, and that you were kind of throwing a bone to a resident sound detail. <laughs> like, I asked what I was It's got a musical theme to it. The whole, um, it's, the whole aesthetic does have kind of various references to music in it. Um, I would ask first off, have you played this game? Yes. <laughs> played it on one. Right. Uh, I was the show. I had, a, I had an emulator years ago and it was called Ages. Was this thing that was a, a misadventures of Flink? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have actually played this game. Okay. Uh, ages back with Sega, obviously. Right? Uh, to be this good takes ages and all that, you know, and Aye. Sega back was nice. And I remember having to hunt the internet for the Master and Slave BIOS files <laughs> so I could play 32X games. And when I finally got it, obviously the first one I wanted to play was Knuckles Chaotix. Yeah. Because I'm a sad fucking bastard that loves Sonic. And uh, I do remember when that emulator came out, it was not very fast. Nah, so you're probably not getting the, the actual experience it, of playing. It, it ran at about three frames a second. <laughs> if you're right. lucky. So that's why you won a Sonic game. Didn't they stop me? Which was three less from the actual Knuckles Chaotix. <laughs> <laughs> so then, I so Temple was one of the games um, that I played, and it, it couldn't kind of render the the intro and that, but the tunes, <laughs> the tunes were on it. Yeah. And I thought to myself, this is the kind of best, kind of most. I don't know if they. You probably tell me that's a technical point of view, but the the way the music sounded just sounded a lot clearer and just sounded like it sounded like the Yamaha kind of sample set or whatever it is today, but it sounds as if it was a lot higher quality and it sounded like the sequ- it was sequenced better. And stuff. So I've not been able to gather a whole lot about how the sound in 32x works. So someone might call me up off on this, but. Um, as far as I can tell, it's it's just the it's the same sound chip that you get in the Mega Drive, but also there's a additional channels where you can play some samples, like voice samples or bits of music or whatever. So and when you turn this game on, you get a a theme tune for Tempo that's got rap in it, and it's very sort of corny '90s rap. It's like Tempo's Tempo's got the funky flow from New York, LA, and San Francisco. Can we put this in? I'm gonna wait until the episode comes out before I hear it for the first time, so I'm already looking forward to that. Okay. It's not easy, it's not as good as that. You know what time it is. Yo, homie, peep here! Tempo, check it out, you know, he makes it funky, and he's good to go. That's, that's definitely a highlight of the game for me. It's what the I think the Yamaha sound chip on the Mega Drive game is good at, as I've mentioned before, is this kind of crunchy guitars, uh, slap bass, and basically kind of sort of grungy funk 
Tap pop style music. Comic Zone sounds like a grunge album if you fucking just sat and listened to it. Like, yeah. So the, the music in that, and um, the music in the games is all is all that. It's, um, it's all Road Rash. Aye, Road Rash was. Road Rash is thrash metal. Is is Tempo a wee sort of mascot character himself? Yes, aye. So Tempo is. He's. I think he's a cricket. He's like a wee insect thing, and yeah, he's. He looks quite cool. He's very, he's very well animated. He's got nice wee kind of um, idle animations. What I like about him, in comparison to some other mascots of the time, was like he's cool, but he's not aggro. Like he looks like he's having a good time. He's not in your face. Aye, he's edgy. Like, like he's, he's just, just confident. He's, <laughs> he's no extreme with an X. Aye, but he's, he's always on acid. <laughs> well, he's got a big smile on his face, and he, he likes how he dance, and he, he kind of looks like he's having a good time. Um, so. What you're saying is you maybe thought see a bit of myself in this guy. <laughs> <laughs> the game opens with um, him and uh, another character called Katie, who is his girlfriend, and they drive into town and they're taking on I think um, somebody called Major Minor, and they're going through this tunnel, um, not a tunnel, it's like a tower, a different levels. Um, Were they Polish in the eighties? <laughs> major Minor. What? <laughs> 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 oh, like, uh, uh, again, uh, as in, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, musical kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's a bit like um, the, the Mega Man games where like, you can tackle the levels in an order. Although not entirely, because there's like four or three levels and then two levels and then it's the last one. So well, they, they ended up doing that with Mega Man as it went on. Ah, oh, right, aye. So I don't really, I don't know why they didn't just make it all, just be able to select them all from the, from the get. I thought this game came out about the same time as uh, Rayman. And I think it looks better, and sounds better than Rayman. And I know Rayman was originally a 3DO game, but... I mean, it's, it definitely... It, it looks pretty good. Um, as, I guess we'll mention a bit like about what the, the, the whole deal with 32X is, if you haven't heard about it. So this game came out on the 32X, which was an, an add-on you needed to buy for the Mega Drive that improved its capabilities. And Sega were thinking, and this is a sentence that sounds ridiculous these days, they were worried about the Atari Jaguar coming out. <laughs> and they thought the Atari Jaguar is going to come out, it's going to be the first 64-bit console and it's going to fucking leave us in the dust. Nobody's going to buy a, a Mega Drive, an old 16-bit Mega Drive. Well, all these marketing campaigns around bits. Aye. This fucking thing's only get fucking 16 Yo. bits. Who wants a shitey wee hang? This is fucking <laughs> See, Jaguar. Exactly. Jaguar had four 16 bit processors on it, three of which partly ever got used. <laughs> and do you know that they, they never sold, they sold that badly, right? That they used the shell for the Jaguars for dentist fucking things. <laughs> dentist things on the wall when they got that reselection. It's just sprayed white Jaguars. They're <laughs> like two scrapers and that come out of tattoo. Aye, but they were going, so they were, they were making the, the the Saturn that was going to be the successor in the Mega Drive. That was the Japanese. Um, the ja- the, the Japanese. That's a whole other history of it, the like conflict between Sega Japan uh, and Sega America. So the Saturn was going to be the next big thing, but it was getting delayed, and they were worried that um, they were going to kind of miss the boat. People were going to stop buying Mega Drive, so they decided as a stopgap, um, they would build an, an add-on, and you plug it into your Mega Drive, and it would make it 32-bit, and that would get everyone excited again. Coincidentally, it looked like the mushroom cloud of Nagasaki <laughs> over the top of the Mega Drive. Uh, you plug it in the, ironic. You plug it into the cart socket. Um, basically, there's a... 
<laughs> it's not a yellow, but it may be a warning. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, there's a, a reason that um, add-ons for consoles don't really exist anymore. It's not really a thing because it kind of splits up your customer base, confuses the customers thinking, oh, if I buy this game, I've got to buy this add-on, but like, there's only a few games that need it. Sega did it with the Sega CD and the 32X, none of them sold very well, they were a bit of a failure. So, apart from like your kind of VR things and the Kinect and stuff, having a, um, an add-on to make your console more powerful was an idea that's kind of... The N64 had it, but it worked and, like, you didn't really need it, but it, it fixed up bug in, like, Donkey Kong and Majora's Mask or something like that. The, the memory but expansion. The difference between this thing was... And that, did that not come parceled in with some games, though? But it made the games dealer. Aye, uh, exactly. Uh, but, but at least I'm not buying an entire new add-on. The 32X never had any fucking software. It had like, Knuckles Chaotix. That's it. Aye, I mean, it, it Star only, Wars. It was only a bit for like, what do you know if it was two years before the Saturn came out and like... Doom? Well, Doom? Yeah, they were asking third-party developers, do you want to make games of 32X? Like, why bother? Like, why should I bother learning how to make games for a new console that nobody's going to buy? It's only going to be a bit for like um, a year until the Sega Saturn comes out, like I might as well not bother. So, so you didn't have a big library of games. A lot, a and lot of games started off as a uh, 32X games and became Saturn games. But there's a port for the there's a port of Virtua Fighter for the 32X. Virtua Fighter for the 32X. It's meant to be pretty good. It's man. really good. Yeah, I played it on on emulator because um, the 32X it, it it gave you the channels and music I was talking about. It up the color depth of the games to 30, 32-bit color and also the 3D. It uses yeah. 2D, uh, almost kind of 2.5D arenas. Um, with 3D sprites. You know how the Virtua Fighter 2 for the Mega Drive, it's got its kind of 2.5D kind of arena? Yeah. It's like that, they use that, but with 3D sprites. So, presumably, to get us back on track a wee bit, this probably led to not many people having played Tempo at all. No, 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 not at all. No, not but, one bit. <laughs> so what I wanted this is like, that, that what the 32X adds for this game is, it's the... The colours, I think, is the main thing for me. So, Pebble looks really good. It, it doesn't really look like a Mega Drive game. Like, the Mega Drive could only show so many colours on screen at the same time. But this game um, had pretty much 32-bit colour in the background, so it looks more to me like a, like a Game Boy Advance game. Oh, kind of. And it uses that side of the 32X pretty well, like um, there was really cool sort of multi-coloured animated backgrounds in all the levels, like the backgrounds aren't trying to look like the actual background they're place. it's almost kind of like a music video, like there's kind of crazy like things like moving around and changing colours and, and floating around in the background. So Sounding a wee bit to me so far as if this is a bit of style over substance. Yeah, it's yeah. not, it's not a terrible one. platformer but it's a, a fairly average one. What would you compare it to? It's all cock and knee boys. Probably <laughs> uh, 2 Jam 2. I'd say it's a better platformer than Toe Jam 2. It's maybe on par with something like Zoo. Ah, um, okay. Yeah. I like um, Zoo. I don't love it. I like Zoo. It's alright. Any dodgy advertising? No. <laughs> um, you've got Tempo, he's this little uh, cricket character. He's going through these, these various levels. He's got uh, quite a, a few moves. He's so does little... Arthur Scargill kidnap his missus or whatever? Like, <laughs> why does he have to face off against Major Miner? I have to fight the Miners. Um, I, I didn't read the manual, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not sure. But uh, there's a, a, kind of, a variety of, of levels, quite cool designs. Um, there's one that's um, set inside this kind of giant 
creature's uh, body, like you're inside him, um, it's like a big snake or something, so on the first level he's, he's outside and you're dodging his teeth, jumping up and down to eat you, and then when you're inside, um, it becomes this really psychedelic sort of presentation where you're seeing like blood cells and that floating around I like the in the background, theory, yeah. like veins and stuff like that. There's, there's always these, as I say, these kind of abstract animated back, uh, backgrounds to the levels. and. Um, some some cool features like in, inside the levels themselves as well. There's one that's like a, a kind of hi-fi theme. It's as if you're inside uh, a stereo system. Dad, I was going to ask that. Did you like the parts where sort of the gameplay kind of became interactive with the music? Aye. So there's um well the the thing I liked in the hi-fi level was there's a you know a, a, a graphic equalizer on your hi-fi where you can see like the the bass level, uh, the bass and the uh, devil uh, going through uh, uh, yellow and green and red uh, and stuff uh, like that. So there's like platforms that are like that and they're kind of moving in time with the That's quite cool. That's I like cool. that. That's creative. It's yeah. like a cartoon. It just looks uh, like a cartoon. In, right? the in the hi-fi level you're just kind of you're fighting about like the jumping around the circuit boards and the kind of wires and stuff like that. So that's um, pretty cool. In terms of moving around he's got a few moves. He, he can kind of walk left and right. You can double tap to, to run. You can fire little musical notes at baddies um, and that, but that always stun them. And then you can either jump on them to kill them, or you can kick them and kick them away. Oh, That's quite satisfying. Beautifully animated as well. The animation is great. Yeah, as I was saying, that it adds a lot of personality to the character of Tempo as well. These little um, these little animations, and there's like certain power ups where you do a dance, and like the um, or the enemies will start dancing as well and stuff. It doesn't sound like a bad wee game, but on the other hand, it's all cool. It's a ball like to. It's worse than get your hands on, maybe. It's like yeah, this, it's, this easy, it's, it's easy to emulate, but I mean, you're not going to get a 32x. If you take all the, the bells and whistles away, you've not got a great platform. But if you put. It, it, it makes it stand out, because there's nothing like it. Well, the, the, the 32x, I don't think anyone really fully took advantage of what you could do with the 32x just because it wasn't really well. Well adopted, like it had, it, it had capabilities to do 3D. <coughs> that was one of the big things about it. But this game doesn't have any 3D in it whatsoever. There's not some games we had, but the fucking Mega CD and the 32X yeah. and the Mega Drive just to which, run the fucking game. Which like who is? I is mean, NBA hoops or something. I I don't understand the like the actual mentality of like who signed off on that like. <laughs> Okay, we're going to make this game. We're going to spend what a million dollars on it. Like, who's got, but it can only be played if you get. A, is this like the to, to put a picture in people's minds? Is this like that thing you keep posting on the Facebook? We just ah, like add on, stacked on, add on, stacked on. It's add called on, the Tower like. of Power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I but I think there was two versions of a mouse trap. There's two versions of eight trap, and there was one version you could play on this Mega CD, but it was all grainy as fuck. And then there was a version you could buy, it was a 32X CD, and you had it both of them, and it was a bit better quality. I played it on PS4 because I like to see teenage lasses <laughs> dancing in their pants, clearly. <laughs> um, so, there's a, as I said, there's a musical sort of um, theme in this game, and that comes up, but there's a few kind of charming um, elements of that. One being that the, the password for each level is um, a, a series of notes on a, like a, a stave, so what you actually do is, you type in a wee bit of the, the tune for the level and that forms the password. Ocarina of Time. Long for Ocarina of Time. So I mentioned that um, he's got um, this girlfriend uh, who appears and she appears if you um, get a certain power up. But what happens is if you, when you're hearing the music in this game, at first you're not hearing the entire tune. You might just be hearing the drums in the bass line. But 
when his girlfriend comes onto the picture, then it adds more layers to the tune. So you might start hearing a guitar and a saxophone in uh, top of it. Which that later games are definitely fucked with that. As yeah, well. Monkey Island was known for that, having the layers of sound moving in. But I thought that was um, quite uh, romantic that his girlfriend comes in and completes completes the picture. And up. also, she's pretty handy as well because if you've stunned the enemies, um, you don't have to jump on them. She'll fly over and, and kick them. This game does a lot of visual effects that. Like, uh, Kind of manipulation of the, the plane area. Like, if you're on a platform, the platform can swell up to the sound of the music and shit. Aye, scale and stuff like that. You know what's going on. I'll put like uh, the one you gave me, uh, Yoshi's Island, that. Yes, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive in that way, but in terms of that platform, it's not quite as, it's not quite as dynamic as a, a mm. Sonic or something. You know, you're not, um, the, the levels don't do as much kind of cool things in terms of like, Different obstacles are ways of like launching you about the level, so it's definitely one of the better games great. for the 32X. But, but if you're standpoint, <laughs> uh, this is what it can do. And you mentioned Doom earlier, and um, I'd, I'd recommend that if you look up the the soundtrack to Doom on the 32X, oh, it is, geez, um, man, it is really some, something else. Funny enough, the, the, the Jaguar version of Doom is meant to be the best console port. Yeah, <laughs> it was good for something, I guess. <laughs> um, but I just, I just would probably emphasise that it's got a bit of but a charm in, in character and like it's maybe you know not the greatest platformer out there but I would maybe maybe one over it. These are your kind of final thoughts? Yeah and one other power up I quite liked and I still really don't have any explanation as to why it's there. You pick it up and the background turns into pictures of cows and it starts playing um, yodeling, Swiss, Swiss yodeling music and um, I think it's like an invincibility power. So yeah, it's definitely got a bit of, a bit of character to it, so hi, check it out. And it's between Tempo and Not With Chaotix for the, the, the finest soundtracks. And if you had 2x, I would probably go with Not With Chaotix because the tunes are better. Even oh, if, I wouldn't think you'd have picked the Sonic one. Even, <laughs> even if, even if, no, I think the soundtrack is pretty good on it. Even if Tempo can uh, utilise its assets better. I'd argue, that, <laughs> I'd argue that Tempo is a better platformer than Nobles Chaotix. Oh, well, I don't I think the central concept of Nobles Chaotix works. No, but it was, it was a very, very different. It was I. Well, let's just leave that for another episode. <laughs> right. Well, even though it's not the Halloween episode, we are about to get. Ooh, I mean, can, rest, can I have the first level put in here? Okay. Cheers. Oh, Tempo. No, man, Castlevania, Bloodlines. I've not even talked about it yet, I've not even said what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, I'll right, find, right, I'll right, find right. a spot. Right, 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 right. The reason I picked this for Andy is not going to pretend that I was any sort of hipster and I played this fucking back in the day when I was a kid. I don't know anyone that had this. Nobody nah. had fucking Castlevania, the new generation or nah, whatever the European title know. was called. In my, I used to sound like fucking Saved by the Bell. I fucking Star Trek. Um, <laughs> I first became aware of, well, emulating thing. There was a fucking free online game I played that used assets from Final Fantasy and the battle team, I think, they ripped out one of the levels in this. Hmm. I remember asking somebody, what the fuck is that? So that was how I got to first play it. The reason I picked it for Andy was, other than it being on, I believe, the Mega Drive Mini, it's part of the library. Aye. Just, it doesn't get talked about very much, and I quite like it. In terms of wider Castlevania, it's a bit of a black sheep. Nobody really talks about it, and I, I can't really see why, because it's better than their fucking Game Boy games and things, for <laughs> instance, but 
again, I, I've had fun with it. I'm shite at it, admittedly, but um, <laughs> I just wanted to play a wee bit of fucking something classic. Well, we've had a wee shot tonight, uh, the fourth one, for, is it fourth? That's Super Castlevania 4 yeah. for this SNES. Remember around at the same time, mate? Playing the two of them, can accentuate kind of difference between the SNES and the Mega Drive. And that, I mean, you can see it with Contra game on the Mega Drive Day, a Protector, whatever the fuck it's called. I would argue that the Mega Drive um, does its platforming and its action stuff more fluid than uh, the SNES. Yeah. And again, I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast, but the collision, the crunch of the collision, I don't know, man, how it is, but it feels better on a Mega Drive. Like, see, when you hit something with like, the whip, or if you hit something with a projectile, I don't know if it's like the noise. Or if like, something happens on screen that you can actually sense it. So, if you're unfamiliar with Castlevania games, you typically play as a bounty hunter, usually the bounty, bounty hunter, fucking but no, vampire hunter. hunter. <laughs> um, He's not in it for the money. Uh, <laughs> you, you play as a, a, a Belmont typically, you need to traverse through a castle, fighting all sorts of spooky enemies, uh, usually with a whip at your side and some secondary weapons, some platforming, some combat. The ultimate goal was usually kill Dracula. The Belmonts so, are a family of vampire uh, so, vampire hunters and there's a, a special whip called a vampire hunter that gets passed from generation to generation uh, and they're obliged to kill Dracula. So they good Catholics so they get our seal of approval. <laughs> Castlevania right, is a franchise that I always knew about. A bit like Mega Man. Um, I knew it was there and I knew it was revered I didn't like, grow up by with people it. that knew their shit and stuff. It's, well, it's, it, it skewers on the Nintendo side of things I would say. Aye. Well, Konami aren't it? Is it Konami? Yes. Aye. Um, but I never actually sat down and played it, and I think that, see, them types of games, I, I, I really think that Band of the Day, Ghouls and Ghosts was that hard, that put me off these type of games, <laughs> uh, honestly. The first Castlevania is fucking really, really difficult as well. And uh, I, I, again, yesterday I've not played the, the old um, Nintendo ones, as you said earlier, um, when we were talking, it was all Master System over here. So we never really had any Castlevania for the Nintendo. I first can't can beat the first boss in the, first, in the NES Castlevania. <laughs> the first one I played was Symphony of Night. Years ago, was that a PlayStation? PS1. PS1. And, uh, it's been ported to all sorts because Symphony of Night is class. It is, brilliant. Yeah. But that's, that's made like an RPG thing. Like, this game, Bloodlines, is more of a kind of A to B platformer. It's one of the, the last of the old school Castlevanias. Bloodlines uh, for our NTSC listeners and fucking <laughs> Lincoln, Nebraska, or wherever that wee place is, we got fucking hit. In Europe, it was a new, new generation, generation, as we say. And uh, there was a few different, there was, I don't know what was going on, man, back then, but they had to change it to some blood into like, blue shit and stuff. <laughs> but um, on the Mega Drive Mini, uh, if you change the language, then you can play that kind of regionalised version of it. So if you change it to Japanese, you can play the Japanese version of Bloodlines. And if you play an NTSC or the American, you can play the American one. Or if you keep it on. But it would be updated so... It's been updated so that uh, the, the PAL version doesn't run slower. Uh, so it's still 60 hertz. So I played the new generation. I didn't fucking know what But I read after I started playing it, um, they said that a lot of stuff that was red and horrible bloodshed was all turned to blue and stuff. But um, it operates the same way as your normal Castlevania games. You don't play Simon Belmont. He plays his long lost kind of descendant. <laughs> well, um, this is this is where things get a wee bit interesting in the character selection. There's two characters in this one. If, if I could divert this ever so slightly, for some reason, this Castlevania game, the old ones on the NES and that, 
Would they wink, wink, nudge, nudge? This is Dracula, but we're not going to call it Dracula. Aye. This is different from a literary Dracula. For some reason, Bloodlines has a character who is the grandson of a character for Dracula. <laughs> so they've just decided to go like that. Fuck it. All in. We're merging the two together. <laughs> we asking it was a Japanese perspective about Transylvania and what kind of carry on is. You know, what kind of ja- a Japanese perspective on something that's usually so westernised. So okay, I, I have a, a small thing that I want to mention here from the Castlevania anime. The three main characters in that are based off of... Um, They're from Castlevania 3. From Castlevania 3. So you've got Simon Belmont, who's your vampire killer with a whip. You've got Alucard, who's Dracula's son. Um, he's a bit more maneuverable when he uses a sword. Um, you've got a woman called uh, Sylvanas, I think, who's like a kind of mage. And they didn't put the pirate in it. They didn't put the they didn't put in that pirate, yeah, the pirate character. Um oh fuck I forgot his name. It's um, Graham or something like that. It's, it's <laughs> a very old name. Yeah. But um so a lot of fans have been asking the writer Warren Ellis, um, why didn't you include the pirate character? You included all the three other ones from Castlevania three and he's like, It's set in fucking Romania, Romania's landlords. What <laughs> <laughs> the fuck the pirate <laughs> So uh, the reason <coughs> the fucking character in Castlevania Bloodlines interests me because John Morton. John Morris. John Morris. <laughs> because in Dracula have you read the novel? No. No. Right. Need talks about this. The novel of Dracula has a cowboy in it. <laughs> you've got you've got a psychologist, you've got like an English gentleman archetype, guess other cunt and a, an Austrian vampire hunter, and they're all having these meetings about killing Dracula and that. What are we gonna do about the Dracula problem? It's a fucking cowboy there with him. <laughs> he's, he, he's literally a big Texan guy, he's got a cowboy hat on, like a waistcoat and that. There's a, he, he gets the best bit in the book where they're having one of their meetings about killing Dracula and fucking Quincy Morris goes like that, two seconds lads and he walks out the room and they just hear a fucking gunshot then he walks back in and they all kind of look at him and he goes like that but <laughs> <laughs> so it's his grandson and when I saw you get a chance to play it's his grandson <laughs> you get to play as a descendant of a literary character in this Mega Drive game I was like ah, I'm fucking having him I'm going to go the fucking anime spear guy so about the fucking so, cowboy with the whip so I went John Morris right and obviously the whip is kind of synonymous with Castlevania games that is a weapon for Castlevania Aye. and it's uh, different for other weapons and other similar games um, in that you kind of learn its limitations and you work around it that way. Usually by second or third level, um, you, you're sort of I just hammering things easy, man, because you know like, to keep a certain distance away from stuff and that's all about learning the weapon. Um, it's got the Splatterhouse jump. Yep, um, so, it is. so Castlevania on the Mega Drive is as if you took one of the NES ones and gave that a fucking fresh like a paint and put some good tunes on it. Aye. The core gameplay is the same. You've got that fucking weird yeah. arc jump that kind of change directions. You've got the kind of uh, diagonal stairs that you kind of walk up and You have to press up next to them yeah, or else you just walk past yeah. them and fall off ledges and, and things. Cover-ups are hidden behind um, candles on the wall, yep. which is something I completely missed playing Symphony of Night. <laughs> In the new game Black, they're everywhere. How can you miss that? Health is at a premium in these games, man. Like, you get these things, right? And I know they're, they're hearts in the SNES games, but in this game, for some weird reason, it's kind of jewels. Gems, I But the, the jewels don't, even though they look like health, they taste like health. They're not health. <laughs> they just give you. What a fucking heart? If uh, anything, in every other game on the fucking is, planet, is health. <laughs> but no, 
you can get power ups. So you can get a uh, like various things like you know how when like, we talked about ghouls and ghosts you can get holy water and a stuff. Sub -weapon. A sub weapon. So right. you can get stuff like that, you get well, projectile knives. Much the same as ghouls and ghosts, it's the same idea. The holy water you can lob it, it goes in an eye. Yeah. But every time you use this it takes off your hearts. Oh, yeah, or it okay. takes off your red things. Yeah. So the only time you really get any health pillar, health pillars up is when you go looking for them. War chicken. I war chicken. So chicken hidden in most. So <laughs> sometimes like we had a good example on Castlevania four. Earlier on, well, there was a kind of froggy fucker jumping about. He was all over the screen, it looked hard to kill. And there was this kind of thing as well, this mound of shit that bites you. Uh, and I says, the way they're situated there looks as if the art um, thing on the wall there is going to watch it. You get a sixth sense for more chicken when you haven't been playing them all. You can kind of sniff it out. And I, so you're, you're basically, if you've played like Ghouls and Ghosts and stuff, you know what to expect. But I don't know, man, there's a, there's, you can tell they really put their heart and soul into these games. I mean, even the fucking music, man. The music is basically... Da -da 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 -da, raved up. Baroque, isn't it? Raved up, man. So, <laughs> one of the things I like about Bloodlines as well is your standard Castlevania, you're traversing through Dracula's castle. Okay, they change the setting quite a lot. There's a lot of weird and wonderful parts of Dracula's castle. And that's, you specifically no. go to different bits you're in, of uh, Europe. You're in Europe, by You start first level's Romania. First level, you're in a castle, and then you sort of make your way through Europe. At one point, you're in a tower of Pisa. And the leading tower level's supposed to be class. I never made that. You can see the tower swaying by. Well, well this is something that the Mega Drive was kind of shite at, wasn't it? It, never really, it wasn't really good at that. But <laughs> it's nice. So that off my um, uh, Dynamite 90 bingo card. Mega Drive shite at scaling. Ah, Mention number five. You go to Greece and there's Minotaurs running about. It's set during World War One, so you go to Germany and you're a 19, munitions factory. And 1917 has been Skeletons running amazing. about with Kaiser helmets on. Like, I'm I'm under the impression that the storyline of this game is that the First World War was secretly orchestrated by vampires. <laughs> well, well, I think that there's a an evil witch and she's using her war as a cover and all the subsequent bloodshed for her evil machinations to revive Dracula right. and I suspect you're trying to stop her before Dracula is revived right. and you, do you know what I who, who's the final boss? oh it's a Dracula isn't it? Oh, so, so she gets so she does revive Dracula because you can't know, fight Dracula as your last <laughs> boss in Castlevania every Castlevania game Dracula's either alive you're trying to kill him or he's somebody's trying to bring him back to life last level's London Alright, oh, okay. So but, again, uh, it, it, that does go back to the literary well, Dracula. This, this, this game isn't very long. I don't know how long uh, a fucking me, man. I'll tell you what. I couldn't uh, get past stage three. Symphony of Night is one of the longest games I've played. Just <laughs> for my boys. Uh, four, I'm not too sure, right? We're going to stage three tonight. This game's only got six stages. If they made 6.3, 6.4. I've got a feeling that you might get other stages if he plays the other character. You do? Yeah, just do differ slightly, yeah, right? A wee bit, but it's the same stages. It's the same, it's the same, I think. It's the Plus, same as, as I said, I don't want to play as the anime spear guy. I want to play as a cowboy. I need to mention the bosses, man. You remember fucking back when we talked about Splatterhouse? I was complaining about the boss where. Yeah, you kill it and then you're like, your ass and it goes. <laughs> and the acid that it's coming yeah, off and kills you. Stuff like that happens in this, but it's better. But I, I don't know, I think this is a kind of Castlevania kind of, kind of thing that happens in Castlevania games. But you hit the boss, right? And you kind of 
disintegrate them every time you hit them, you like knock bits off them. And they, they get different forms as a result. Aye. Yeah. So you, you could, they could be a big tall guy with like six tears and you've got to knock his tears off. You know? Well, I'm not talking about greeting. There was a, yeah, one, yeah. Of the, one of the bosses, I didn't think that many bosses as I said, I got to stage three. Um, but there's quite a few sub bosses and things like that. So you take fight bosses quite regularly. Mm-hmm. In Greece, there's this kind of warped zombie-like take on like a Greek goddess. I love how Newton John. And, <laughs> when Olivia when Newton John appears, you she doesn't seem to be attacking you in any way. So, ah, what the fuck's going on? And I think she's crying, oh, and yeah. it just slowly fills the room you're in with water. So it just becomes about jumping back and forth and desperately oh. trying to kill her before you drown. Okay, you, you've got just enough time to do it. Yeah. There's certain quirks. It's cool, it's different, do you know what I mean? There's certain quirks that remind me of Rocket Knight as well. Oh, uh, right. Like, there's a water level, right, where the water, uh, the water kind of either comes down or comes up the way. But you're only dead if you're under the water for like a couple of seconds. So it's kind of like... You get a wee grace period. The water's racing you, you know. Uh, stuff like that, and you've the levels tilting and all that, and they've never done it as good as Rocket Knight, mind you, but there's, there's all that going on as well. But I'll tell you what, and I don't know, any Castlevania game I've played so far, with exception of that one we played tonight, I think that the music is the best part about it. So Do you not think Super Castlevania 4 had a really good tune in it as well, fair levels enough, man. But see if you play the first level of Castlevania Bloodlines, right? No, you're going to hear it, because Mick's going to put it in the podcast. It's <laughs> fucking amazing, man. As previously discussed. So, fucking class. First one is called Vampire Killer, and that's for the first Castlevania. So is that one in it? It goes. I don't think it is. No. Yeah, that's the guy's That's the Canadian steam. I don't know if there was issues with. Like putting Nintendo shit in Sega games, ah, maybe? Like, aye, different sunset. Well, I just said fucking many things I spoke about this. There's <laughs> yes, only three samples in Yamaha, you've got to create their own, blah blah blah. But aye, it's, it's pretty different process, aye. man. It's but yeah, yeah, man, they do a good fucking job. Aye, the other one is called Body Tears, that might be in it as well. It goes. Aye, fucking magic, yeah. man. It's good. I just imagine this cunt sitting with like a full organ, a midi. He's <laughs> fan of the opera. That's <laughs> <laughs> fucking hot. So uh, it's not Metroidvania, right? But it's, that's not what it is. But uh, it's not. I didn't start till something in the night, really. It's pretty good, man. It's yeah. pretty good. And it's a, it's a kind of anomaly as well, because as you said, it wasn't really big over here. Nobody's really got it. And if you want to buy it at a sex, it'll set you back 350 sheets. Oh. Did you play as both characters? No, just the no. one. John I was going to ask you what the difference is in gameplay between them. Um, Could I tell you? The, the lance or spear or whatever yeah. he uses, 
he doesn't have as good reach but I think he can do more acrobatic shit like oh, right, okay. they hold down attack and press down he does this flippy attack thing okay. whereas John Morris just stoats about like a typical Castlevania protagonist like doing that kind of punch walk yeah. whips things <laughs> has a jump that kind of changed direction mid-air and, and uh, the baddies have all got that sequence so but you can suss them out so you go up right I've not had a skeleton since level 2 but you'll know what a skeleton's going to do because yeah. you've had them and it's like kind of standardised. Medusa heads flying in their fucking figure eight formation. It's like anything. Once you figure out the boss the first time, it becomes dead easy. So Castlevania games, would you say, are never quite deliberate? Like you kind of, you have to kind of plan ahead what you're in terms of moving. It's not a platformer. It's like uh, you get a certain amount of life to complete the game, and if you don't, we get them But I think what. What you're referring to is the fact that you can't, you can't fucking stream in. Aye. You no. can't just go whip, 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 move, 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 move. You need sometimes take a step back, as Andy says, look at the pattern, go, right, those platforms definitely disintegrate. These guys look as if they're jumping over the screen and I'm going to yeah. need to deal with them. And I reckon I can get some war chip in some, there. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> If you've got a skeleton, maybe a skeleton's got a lot of blue hanging on his leg, and that means he can jump. So sometimes like, you'll, you'll be expecting a normal skeleton sequence, and it'll be, it will be a normal skeleton sequence. But then all of a sudden you'll jump there, and you're fucked because he's going to land on you. The, the thing for Castlevania that always makes me at least want to launch my controller <laughs> right through the telly is the fact that when an enemy hits you, you go, and like your guy like moves back like halfway across it he gets fucking fired away and it always seems to make you fall down pits or fucking <laughs> throw you into spikes yeah. or something like that like but aye it's uh, it's pretty good I still don't know what the blue orbs do you can get blue orbs as well as red ones but I don't think you get more hits with a sub weapon or what um, you'd safe state it up I guess aye oh fuck aye <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I, I certainly have nowhere near beating it. See a game I'm getting you this week, man. I'll save state the fuck right out of it, man. Because I just can't. I've not got time to keep getting beat. Ah, oh. <laughs> fuck. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. Nah. Speaking of um, the inspiration to Castlevania, do of any have seen the new Dracula series on BBC? Oh, we were talking about it earlier. I have they watched that. I, 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 I like the book. Yeah. Sorry, it's made by the guys who made Sherlock in their personal. Oh no! What's the best version? What's the best version? What's the best version? It's the same thing. I like your fucking. What's the old cunt? Real guys. The black hair. Price. Vincent Price. Um. Oh yeah. I mean, the one in Thriller. No. Who made me thinking of Christopher Lee? Christopher Lee always gets me messed up. Aye. Aye, the Hammer one. Christopher, uh, Vincent Price was throwing spiders delight and <laughs> ghouls and ghosts and crawly things oh, always getting things right. They want to have a Christopher Lee, but it's English, or pure English. Yeah. Aye. So, fucking Dracula on BBC is Stephen Moffat or whatever. Like, yeah. So, does Dracula show up and Benedict Cumberbatch walk in and go, what? Nice copy of the Bible. Hmm. Not King James. This uh, <laughs> appears to be the 1305 version with the misprint. Um, I think you'll actually find in Latin Deus Dominus, please. Like, is it full of egghead shit like that? Because I it, fucking despise Sherlock. Um, it's, oh, yeah, it, I think it tries to be a wee bit more clever than it needs to be. So yeah, imagine that as an expect. I know he probably went to a fucking girl at boys' school. Sherlock Holmes in your brain. Imagine they called Benedict Cumberbatch. That's pretty unfortunate, isn't it? His name's. Check it called Bender. <laughs> no, I think he was destined for private school, to be honest. 
Um, but anyway, on that note, well, let's let's bring you back to final thoughts then on Bloodlines slash right. the new generation. Right, okay. It's somebody that's uh, unfamiliar uh, to an extent. Um, I'm familiar now because I've played three of them. You like that enough to fucking and I think, play uh, through it. Bloodlines has a bit more kind of a bit more kind of streets are ragey feel to it, but it's more rougher in the edges. You talked about. Um, Coming a feeling of satisfaction from hitting things or ah, the good feedback from it or whatever. I think it's more fluid. Any game like that in the Mega Drive is going to be more fluid. If you play um, Pro Protector or Contra for the Mega Drive, you see it there. It moves faster, it moves more fluid, it runs better. But maybe maybe the Castle Bane F4 is a bit better designed. You, I, so well, I, we can talk about that quickly. Um, so I, I, I was always kind of. My opinion on Super Castlevania 4, which is a SNES one, versus Bloodlines, which is a Mega Drive one, is that I'm kinda like Bloodlines is for your fucking real G's. That's designed like a Castlevania game. It's got that wait before you approach thing, you kinda just wait in. Whereas Super Castlevania 4, a lot more uh, player friendly. Yeah. Looks up you but like secret amana with the like all the kind of browns and greens and that. Whereas Bloodlines is all more blues and greys and like kind of... So, Super Castlevania 4, you can whip in different directions, the jump's better, you can change direction mid-air and things like that. And it moves a bit slower and a bit more fluid. It's, it's intuitive, but, it's more player-friendly. But the, the Mega Drive version looks more arcadey and it, it looks as if there's more happening in, more, in real time. So your character in Super Castlevania 4 moves a bit more like a Belmont that's been after the pies and booze? Aye, it's more methodical. Whereas, uh, Who wants a player character that's been after pies and booze, lads? <laughs> <laughs> Get him on the fags and all, it's just dynamite in the day. Right, we're going to do next week's games then. Right, also, watch the Castlevania anim- anime because it's amazing. Oh, actually, actually, that is really good. Is it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix, Andy. Yeah, I, I get, get on it. Especially, oh. I given this episode. Oh man, there's a climactic moment where one of the tunes I mentioned before plays and I stood up at my chair when I was watching it. You, you, mentioned, Mark out, man. you mentioned that it also had a shout out to War Chicken, which I didn't actually notice. It does, I, during, yeah, during the same fight, um, two characters smashed through a wall, and if you look um, very closely, you see a chicken <laughs> in the middle inside the wall. Um, right, this is maybe going to be no surprise if you listened to the whole episode. Andy, what have you got for me next time? Right, I'm going to give you, uh, obviously, you're a, 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 a kind of veteran uh, Nintendo RPGs, I'm going to give you a Sega RPG, probably a flagship RPG for Mega Drive, I'm going to give you Fantasy Star 4. I mean, I'd imagine if I'd already been playing it for a week and a half, because this took too long to come out, <laughs> I'm, I'm maybe already even liking it. Um, <laughs> Mick, what have you got for Andy? This is something I've wanted to give away for a long time, and I think we might finally have the, the right moment to do it. I'm going to give you Chrono Trigger. Yes. This is. Oh, we're I going back in time. <laughs> Look and please don't break my heart. Um, <laughs> we'll get it done. Talking of flagship RPGs, massive sweeping stories, beautiful visuals. Um, I'm going to give you Columns 3, man. It's an epic adventure. Setting a pyramid. And um, you said there's uh, a few pictures of the, the, the baddies. Some uh, of the wacky characters that you're going to be facing. Can, can, we give them, can we make this for homework? Can we come back and give them but custom names? We can, we can name them. Um, <laughs> the, the next episode you hear 
I don't want to fucking get us pinned down on this, so don't give me abuse if we don't. It's probably going to be another Dungeons and Dragons one nice. because I want us to be playing. Maybe have a wee bit longer to play Chrono Trigger, ah. Fantasy Star Four because they're longer games. Um, so I'm going to try and get a D and D session booked in in the next wee while. Although that might not happen. <laughs> and as this is the first podcast of the year 2020. I would just like to ask you all if you know what was your game of the decade. Oh, this decade is pretty fucking New Vegas. I think that's a no bad shout. Shit, man. Do you know what? I, this might be a rare moment. I'm, I'm a wee bit speechless because, <laughs> given time to think about it, I might have fucking came to the same conclusion as Andy Mack there, by the way. <laughs> I think for me it's probably Zelda Breath of the Wild, although with a very um, close second place to Undertale. Mm. Cool man. I still like Lisa better than Undertale, but I like New Vegas better than them both. <laughs> but anyway, we shagged your mom, we shagged your dad, we shagged your dungeon master, your we shagged your nuclear bomb, and, and uh, also we shagged Dracula to death with garlic runner knobs. Uh, your mom's got golden nipples. 